Someone You Should Know, a program about people you know and even more that you don't. Hosted by Stuart Sachs, veteran, husband, father, and grandfather. Now, here's your host, Stuart Sachs. Well, I welcome you to another edition of Someone You Should Know. Glad to have you with us again. And I am actually thrilled because we are growing like a weed uh, in a couple of ways. Uh, Our listenership is up. Thank you very much to Mark Warner at KVGI Media uh, and all for promoting the show. Also to our sponsor, Christine Dean uh, of DFWNetworkingDiva.com who can help you with your websites and help you grow your business uh, in so many different ways. You can give her a call. She'll be more than happy to answer any of your questions. And as I always say, go to her website and you can sign up for a free consultation and just pick her brain as to how she might be able to help your business grow. And I'm very, very proud to welcome, and we'll start getting it on the screen uh, in, in the next week or so, but Irving Chung is a new uh, a sponsor of our show. He is a franchise consultant. Uh, if you have always wanted to be your own boss uh, and said, you know what, I think I'd like to invest in a franchise, it doesn't take millions of dollars. It doesn't even take thousands of dollars necessarily. You can get into franchising for whatever level you are comfortable, but you can call Irving Chung and you can go to his website at Big Consideration. Dot com. You'll hear more about Irving Chung uh, in, in future shows. Great guy. Very, very knowledgeable. Well, this is someone you should know. And right at the offset, I want to say that my guest today is a, a, a financial professional. Now, right away, you say, oh, another banker, another insurance guy, whatever. But I'll tell you, if you have to be involved in any of those areas and have questions, you want to have somebody that knows far more than you ever could learn. And so you need a guy like Andy Brooks, who is my guest today. And welcome, Andy. Glad to have you on the show. Thank you, Stuart. I'm tickled to be here. Thank you for inviting me today. It, you know, I have always been fascinated every time I have, have spoken to you or interacted with you because as we grow and we get older, we think that we can Google things, we think we can read things, and we become very knowledgeable. And then all of a sudden, you, you realize that maybe you only hit 10 or 20% of the issue. So it's always good to talk to somebody that knows a lot more than we do, and you have a passion for it. You've been you've been helping people in the financial world for for many years in a lot of different ways. Uh, where did that passion come from? Okay, you know, so it, it's it's silly. When I was a, a, a teenager, uh, my grandfather gave all the cousins uh, a, a couple thousand dollars, and I promptly put that into a uh, certificate of deposit, making 17% back in the day. I thought, wow, well, this is easy to do. And that started, that started me on the trail. I wish I had those days back sometimes, but yeah, that's what started it. And in, in whatever career I've been involved in, helping people has always been very successful for me. And I love doing that. It's, 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 it's giving back. Now, in, and you, you, you are Texas born and raised, correct? 
Yeah, born in Dallas, local kid. I'm, I'm here in Allen, but yeah, I grew, grew up in Dallas uh, for a couple of years, and then we moved to Sherman. Dad got transferred, and I guess I spent my uh, first years of elementary school in Sherman, and then back to Dallas, and uh, and kind of grew up there. Went to WT White High School, and and uh, and um, saw the city just change over time. Boy, back then, uh, it was a two-day drive to Sherman from Dallas. What, what? <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, we got in the covered wagon and we'd go up yeah. there. So, yeah. I, was, I mean, there was there was lots of land in between Sherman and Dallas. Okay, so if you if you can think where the Venta Hood, if they're still there, the Venta Hood people in Richardson, those were the last city lights coming north out of Dallas. Then there was one light at Campbell and Central with the sign pointing to the A&M Extension uh, Service. That was it. And, and you, you mentioned you mentioned uh, the the, uh, uh, the expressway there. It, was there an expressway that that went north? Uh, did seventy five go all the way north to Sherman and beyond? Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. It did. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because I, I mean, I've been here eight years, and I'm and I'm absolutely blown away at at what has developed uh, just from the Frisco area where I moved. Now going north past Sherman, um, I mean, it was all always all farmland, and now it's development after development. Um, yeah, I, I used to, I, I was in scouting, and we'd go uh, spend weekends camping um, in uh, in Addison, roughly at the Tollway and uh, Frankfurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> six six thirty five was like the the northern border. Well, exactly, and then of course in in my in my parents' day, I guess maybe the, the northern border was Northwest Highway. It yeah. just it continued to expand from there. The tollway. I remember when the tollway opened, and we used to try to run the the toll plaza downtown by throwing pennies in the basket to see if you could beat the light before they counted all the pennies just for fun. But yeah, that ended at Forest Lane. And 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 then then they got then they got wise and said maybe we'll put some cameras in here and take pictures <laughs> of those people dropping pennies. Exactly. The hard stuff. Exactly. <laughs> but you 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 mentioned you mentioned earlier uh uh what were some of the things that you got involved in as you were growing up in in grade school and in, in high school? Were you okay, into sports so- or at all? You know, so yeah, I tried sports. I mean, I'm I'm kind of a big guy. <laughs> I like the word tried. Me too. <laughs> well, I didn't find out till later years in high school. My mother told the football coach, "Leave, don't try to recruit Andy," which just absolutely floored me. But I was on the swim team at uh, WT White, which was which was interesting because there were just two of us on the team, and we were coached by a coach at another school. But um, yeah, I, I, I actually got a letter. I found out when I graduated, I got a, a letter for my activity in, in swimming. Uh, but yeah, not really sports. I did, I did stagecraft. I did theater. I loved the theater. Uh, you know, talk about opening doors or, or closing windows and your, the path of your life could have been different. I loved the production side of stagecraft just never went after it after after uh, high school 
Now, were you on the acting side or the backstage? Uh, oh, backstage. Know? It was all backstage. I, I did lighting. I did uh, design. I was a stage manager. Um, I, I did all that kind of stuff and just loved, loved doing it. You know, acting, uh, you know, I, I stand in front of people all the time and, I, and I've had to learn how to, how to talk to folks, you know, to public groups. But back then in high school, that was not what I wanted to do, talk to people. And and I I did enjoy the acting part of it, but I never wanted a leading role because I never had the capacity to memorize that much dialogue, you know. So give me a you give me either a non-speaking part or you know where I have to open the door and introduce somebody that's coming in, uh, you know that I, that I could handle, and I could yeah, also I, handle sitting backstage until it was time to go on. Well, there you go. Yeah, Oklahoma, <laughs> you'd be Calhan number four. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> that that's funny. Now you you mentioned scouting a little earlier. Uh, how far uh, did you get into scouting? So, uh, fortunately, my dad. You know, early on, my dad got involved just to kind of encourage me because uh, he he had he hadn't done a whole lot in scouting, but he saw that I was really enjoyed it and loved to go camping. Uh, we did camping with the family and. I was in a pretty active scout troop and we always went camping every month, except for a couple months during the winter and, and during summer. So I really enjoyed that and took the whole program all the way up through Eagle Scout. But, uh, but I, uh, I uh, owe my encouragement to my dad for saying, Hey, go do it if it's fun. And my mother for sewing all the uh, patches on my uniform. But uh, did Eagle Scout, went to National Jamboree up in Pennsylvania way back when, and went to World Jamboree the first time out of the country, went to Norway and, and uh, uh, Finland, and uh, where else did we go? Sweden. That was fascinating. Wow. Fascinating. That's on my bucket list, the, the, uh, the Scandinavian countries. They're beautiful. They're Just, beautiful. Uh, it's supposed to be beautiful territory. And, and so was there something through scouting or something that led you on your path to, to college and, 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 and your studies? Um, I wish I could say that there was no, because I, I, when I graduated high school, um, I tried to get into the university of Texas and, and, and Austin and actually, uh, had my dorm reservation, but they uh, said, no, nah, we don't think you've got it to, uh, to enter into the university which kind of surprised me. Um, but then I guess the day I took my SATs, I had the flu, so it was a low score. But I went to Stephen F. Austin in, in Nacogdoches and um, really candidly did not understand why I was in college. Um, didn't figure that out till mom and dad said, you like college so much, you pay for it. And uh, so <laughs> I started to pay for it, Had a, got a job in there in Nacogdoches. And uh, I was on the six and a half year plan. Um, (laughs) when uh, I I finished up all my courses at at the end of the first summer term on a Friday. And then literally on the weekend, I moved from Nacogdoches back to Dallas and then to Houston because I had a job waiting for me in Houston. Um, And evidently I had graduated with a 1.9 GPA. And in Texas, you can't get a degree at 1.9. You got to have that 2.0. And this was in a time kind of like now, a little bit of a recession was going on. It was hard trying to get a, a job back in the early 80s, but I had it. 
So I convinced a couple of instructors to change some grades and I left my undergraduate career with a 2.0001. So I'll take that. So in other words, you, you learned negotiating in college. You know, I did. I think I did. I had, I had way too much silly fun. Um, the school was traditionally a teacher's college. So I was having dates every weekend and, and, um, and it was just a fun experience. Still don't know why. I, well, I do know why I was there because in later years, um, I actually had a chance to go back for a graduate degree. Uh, and I studied adult learning and information structures and information design for adult learning. And part of that was understanding the brain and how adults learn. And there are many things I was able to go, huh? Yeah, I felt like that. Yeah. Probably the easiest thing to say is I just wasn't stimulated. I wasn't, I, I, I didn't understand why I was there. So I didn't perform in my major. I did quite well, but in, you know, other classes, it was boring. I was bored. And your major was what? So major back then was I wanted to be a photography major. But I realized there were a lot of really good photographers out there who, who were, you know, were saying you want fries with that. So I, I flip-flopped and got a marketing degree. And, uh, of course, coming out with a marketing degree back in the uh, 80s, early 80s, people would say, ah, you're a salesperson. No, I'm a marketer. That's right. You're a salesperson. So that's how I got involved in sales early on and have been a salesperson or at least that mentality one way or another all my career. But you also were involved in the arts uh, a bit too, and that that that's fascinating to me. Share some of the your experiences there. So, yeah, I loved photography, and 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 you know, if I ever won the lottery, I was going to get a four by five view camera and go to the mountains and do nothing but but pictures. Um, I was involved in sales and uh, was in a position where I had to sit out a non compete sales agreement with the company. I had a friend who was at the Art Institute of Dallas, and he said, hey, why don't you come teach one of our classes? It's computer technology and graphic design. So I went and, and oh, wow. did that class and thoroughly loved it. And, and at the end of that, that semester, I went to the school and said, hey, I'm still available. Would you like to offer you know, some more classes for me to teach? And they said, well, why don't you come on full time? So 14, 15 years later, I'm at the Art Institute of Dallas. Uh, they're doing uh, associate degrees when I joined the school. But mm -hmm. later, they say they want to offer a Bachelor's of Fine Arts, a BFA. For me to teach in a BFA program, I've got to have a graduate degree. Um, so they paid for my graduate degree. In fact, I entered grad school on suspension because, remember, I had a 2.0001 GPA <laughs> in my undergrad, and I didn't have the courage to ask the grad school registrar if I was off a suspension until about a year and a half into the program. And um, they said, well, yeah, you got a 4.0. You're doing fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so you were still a negotiator. <laughs> I was still a negotiator. And Stuart, I did that with my students. I felt responsible. I. We, we talked about being in education, learner centric, that is focusing on the student, on the learner uh, and making sure that, that the material is delivered in a way 
that the learner can understand, can comprehend, can learn. And we all learn in a combination of different ways. So I looked at it as my responsibility to deliver the content of my course to my students in a way that they understood. In essence, I was trying to sell my course to them. I was looking for eager buyers of my content. And I kept trying to do whatever I could do to present the information in the best way for people to learn. And, you know, Shazam, it, it worked out. It worked out very well. Well, learning is one thing and retaining is another too, because sure. you, you know, you can, you can learn things and then for a short term and then forget all about it. But, but retaining that information for present and future use is what true learning is all about. Yeah. And, 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 no, I don't think anyone truly should stop or, or thinks they stop learning. I try to learn something new every day, all the time to stimulate my brain, but also just to, to help people to, to, uh, uh, to have uh, more in my arsenal of stuff to, to be available to help. You know, and, and in so many areas now, uh, learning doesn't stop. You mentioned teaching. Uh, most teachers have to continue to do continuing education uh, in order to to keep current. You mentioned the the insurance industry. That's that's you know uh, that is true. The legal uh, industry, uh, it's a constant upgrade, uh, and and so we always need to keep learning. Yeah, things you know you would think something like insurance, pretty straightforward. And yeah, it, it to me it is. But yeah, it continues to change and evolve. There are new products, uh, nuances of products, uh, different uh, uses of products. And uh, yeah, you've got, I've, as part of my license with the state of Texas, I, I do continuing education um, during my license period. In fact, I just completed 32 hours of that for to renew my license. So yeah, you've, you've got to. If you know what is it? If you're if you're if you're a sitting stable, uh, you're not gaining. You're not growing anything. You're just sitting there. Um, yeah, no, that's not for me. But you know the and and where I met you originally was through a program that we both uh, are you know very much in love with, that's and that right. is the the sale program at uh, Collin College, which stands for Seniors Active in Learning. Uh, and it's a good example of what we've been talking about so far is that that senior seniors very often have such a thirst to continue learning and sharing their opinions. Uh, and uh, the program through Collin College is I, there's literally hundreds of classes that are available to senior citizens, and they just love going to the schools uh, and whether it's whether it's a cottage industry type of a class, uh, in my case, uh, I led a couple of discussion type groups. Uh, you uh, are are still active uh, in sharing information with with seniors and and, and others uh, regarding you know benefits, uh, uh, insurance benefits, Medicare benefits, and that's where I first really met you. Was my wife and I attended your Medicare. Uh, class and honest to goodness, my jaw was on the floor most of that class because you just heard things that you said I didn't know that I didn't know that 
And yeah, I, I, and that goes back to my years at the Art Institute being an instructor there. I, I had to be careful because my students would complain. Um, my class lectures were like drinking out of a fire hydrant. You know, it just all of a sudden comes. And here in the Medicare class at, at the sale, at the sale uh, group, I love doing that. Um, I look at, I look at Medicare. I mean, first off, um, I'm, I, uh, I still have a problem with being a senior active in learning because I'm only 39. I'm not a senior. Uh, but yeah, I guess, you're, I guess you're, I you're am. prematurely gray, right? Thank you. Exactly. Um, but I look, I look at Medicare and it makes sense to me, but so many of my friends and people that I talk with, they look at this and they go, this might as well be written in Klingon. And I understand that. And I always tell people, if you want to understand Medicare, think like Congress. They're the guys that came up with it. If you can think like a congressperson, then yep, you can understand Medicare. Part A, Part B, Part C, Part D. I I love sharing that information. I love seeing the light turn on when people are looking at the material. They go, "Oh, I get it. That makes sense." I'd love, I love. I I enjoy that because I've done something. Hopefully, or I've helped um, enhance their day was some little piece of interaction. I love doing that. But yeah, Medicare can be silly and I guess I have a grasp of it as others do as well. Yeah, you know and and there are so many plans. Uh and when you read about it, you know, it's easy to say, "Oh, I think that's the right plan for me." But there's lots of questions that you have to ask yourself and you don't know what those questions are if you haven't taken Andy's class uh, to know what those questions are. Uh, you know, case in point, uh, I, I think every class that I went to, uh, the hands went up, up, up about costs. Well, you know, can I afford Medicare? Uh, the simple answer is yes, uh, because if you're 65 uh, or older, you're entitled to it. Absolutely. It's Absolutely. It's, I want you to share a little bit with the audience is, okay, I turned 65. How do I know what Medicare plan is, is right for me and can I afford it? Yeah, so when you, when you hit 65, and I will also say, um, if you have uh, uh, disabilities through Social Security, you are eligible for under 65 for Medicare. But typically, we think Medicare starts at 65. And, and even at 65, if you're still employed, as a lot of us are, uh, you may not necessarily have to get into Medicare. So there are situations for that. But let's let's go ahead and assume you're turning 65. Happy birthday. You're not working. What do I do? Um, okay. So a reference point is when you're working for an employer, You've got family, you've got group coverage typically. So the coverage you have is for us, you, your spouse, the kids, us. Medicare is different. If you're married, then your Medicare is one thing. Your spouse's Medicare is another, is, is another and they don't necessarily touch. Although some companies provide discounts if the two of you have same plan, same company, but you know that varies. 
But um, uh, deciding which way to go, should you just have original Medicare, which is just part A and B? You can stop right there and I've got coverage. Part A is for uh, hospital, part B is for the doctor, basically. There's more, but that's a convenient way to put it. You can stop right there, you're done. Well, no, not really, because now you have to have a drug plan. So you gotta have a part D. So that means I've got A and B, original Medicare, and I've got a part D, a drug plan. Is that all I need? Well, yeah, maybe, it depends, because you know we see the guys on TV say, well, if you have A and B, you're not fully covered on Medicare. You need to have a supplement. And the supplements are the things that you were talking about that are available from private insurance companies that kind of pay the, the, the rest of the bills, so to speak, uh, when you go see the doctor. So there you go. There's Medicare delivered by the government, Part A, Part B, original Medicare, with a drug plan and with a supplement. You should be a happy camper. But even then, beyond that, there are options. I, I want to continue the discussion, but earlier you said Medicare A, B, C, and D. What yeah. is C? So if we can say that, if, if, if we can, uh, you know, the analogy I like to use is, is here's a river, and the river is just going wherever the river goes. On one side is a road, on the other side is another road. Both roads are going to take you down the river to the same place, basically. Well, the left side of the bank is Medicare A and B. That's going to be Medicare, and it's up to the government, the CMS, the government is responsible for that A and B. Well, the other side of the river on the right bank is Part C, Medicare Advantage, and that is delivered by an insurance company, a private insurance company. This insurance company has a contract with the government to provide Medicare in their network. So think of any major insurance company that you've ever had before. You see driving around, you see their names on the buildings. These people provide Part C, private insurance, um, that is handled and delivered through their network of doctors, their network of hospitals, their network of specialists. And typically, um, their network of, uh, of drug stores, because uh, prescription drugs are oftentimes included in Part C Medicare Advantage. So that means Part C is a combination of Part C and Part D. Yeah, it can be. It, it, again, it depends on your situation. But yeah, so two, two sides of the stream. The government provides it or a private company provides your Medicare uh, under the auspices and oversight of the government. So what are the qualifications? You, I mean, or, or let me say it backwards. To qualify uh, for C, do you have to have certain, certain things in order to qualify for C? Or how does one know, uh, do I go on the right bank with C or do I go on the left bank with the AB pr uh, product? Well, okay. So, Stuart, that's a great question, and 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 it's one I don't want to answer. Uh, <laughs> but 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 here's okay. So, if we're comfortable with understanding what Part C is, Medicare Advantage, 
the growth in Medicare Advantage beneficiaries, that means the number of Medicare people that are on Advantage, continues to grow year after year after year. So it's 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 working out nicely for, for people. Um, so how do you pick and choose? Some people, and it kind of depends, and, and I'll just make a very broad statement. Folks in Texas, we're not real big fans of controlling networks for our health care. Not all, but some of the Advantage plans are HMO-based. And that is an HMO is, is typically a gatekeeper. Your primary care physician, your PCP, is the gatekeeper. And folks just don't like to be controlled by a gatekeeper. They want to go wherever they want to go, see whoever they want to see whenever they need it. That's an advantage of Part A and Part B by itself with the supplement. But if you don't mind the networks, if you don't mind, you know, if you got to see a foot person, but you got to go through your primary care physician before you see the foot guy, right. if you're okay with that, then yeah, advantage is fine. Um, nice thing about some of the advantage plans, well, not some, all of them, there is a cap. If, if you get into a really bad catastrophic situation, um, there is a cap on how much you're going to have to pay. It varies by plan. But nonetheless, there's a cap. Um, so that's nice for folks. And again, not, not to make blanket statements, but people tend to go with the supplement A and B combination first because they're traveling all over the place. They're going to see the kids in Denver. They're, going, they're taking the grandkids to Disney, whatever. And should they need care, it's arguably easier to not be in a network, just find a local doctor to go to. But as we start to slow down, we got what the go-go years, the not so go-go years, and the we're at home years. People tend to want to go to advantage in those slower don't go years, um, because you see the stuff on TV where it says, "Hey, we'll give it to you for a zero dollar premium," and that gets people's attention, and they make the phone call, which is fine. Always go seek information, and they go, "Yeah." I like that. or No, not yet. I'm still doing a go-go. So it really kind of depends on your situation. Both methodologies, going with just part C or going with an A and B, they work out great. It's, what, it's whatever, you, whatever you want. The biggest question, Mark, that just popped up in my head was we as lay people, you know, unfamiliar with what all of those options are, the best thing we can do is to get in touch with somebody like Andy Brooks. Well, yeah, you there. Um, an agent who is doing uh, insurance agent who is doing Medicare Advantage, the Part C stuff. Uh, these are people who have gone through training, have gone through extra continuing education hours, have done more work on their insurance license because it's required, have gone through training from the insurance companies. So yeah, these are people who are hopefully well-trained, knowledgeable, and can provide advice. Any professional insurance person who does work in the Medicare uh, community should be able to provide this information, and they'll do it for, for free. I mean, yeah, they get paid a, a fee, if you want to call it that, or a commission, if you call it, you want to, want to call that too. The insurance company pays, pays for their work with you. Yeah, absolutely. Talk to a professional. Uh, if they won't talk to you, well, there you go. That's a clue right there. 
but any good professional would should talk to you and offer advice. And may I also say, Stuart, the Medicare.gov website is a fabulous collection of information for people who would like to go read and do it themselves. Yeah, and and that's probably a, a first step is to go into the you know Medicare.gov, start reading about it, and when when you start scratching your head. And when you start coming up with the questions about which way to go, then get in touch with with Andy. We'll we'll put it up on the screen your your phone number and uh, uh, email address that people can reach out to you if they have questions, uh, because it's it's always good even if you think you know what way you want to go, get a second opinion from a professional. Yeah, I mean, it is conceivable if you if you pick the wrong solution, you could have troubles down the road. Yeah, that's a possibility. The The worst stuff I've seen is if you, for some reason, don't pay your bill, the, they'll, they'll kick you out. They'll kick you out. The insurance companies, if you don't pay them, they're done. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's kind of hard to get kicked out of the system. But I think it's important when you go in to go eyes wide open understand what your choices are uh, because there are, I think, some limitations down the road if you haven't made proper decisions. If someone does get involved in an Advantage program, is that a program that when you sign up for it, you're locked into that for a year? So maybe. And again, I mean, I'm sorry. um, It's government health care. You know, it's one of these one of these things. If you can do that, it's yeah. government healthcare. So they're all different types of rules. So yeah, if you're in an advantage plan and for whatever reason that advantage plan leaves your area or leaves your county, well then yeah, you get to change. Um, if you're in an advantage plan um, and you don't like it, um, you're not happy with it, then yeah, you probably have to keep that through the end of the year, October fifteenth through December seven every year. When you can make a change that will be effective the next January first, so you've got that. And if you if you walk into January first of a year with a Medicare Advantage plan, and you go, man, well, what was I thinking? I didn't want that plan. I wanted that plan. Well, you get you've got three months to change to March thirty one. So yeah, depending on where you are in the time frame of the year, you can or cannot make changes. But typically, once you got it, you got it for the year. However, am I correct that if if you get in involved in the the uh, Medicare A B plan, you can pick that that uh, supplement uh, of which there are there are many many many. There's a lot of there, them, yeah. there too, and so you say, okay, supplement supplement, you know, A or B or whatever. Uh, gee, that's only forty dollars a month. That why is supplement L over here four hundred and 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 forty dollars a month? You know, and and there's everything in between. And I I believe that they do go A B C D E F G and and all have different different uh uh you know out of pocket expenses maximums. How does one determine what's right for them? Do you look at your medical history first? And say I have some pre-existing conditions, and I want to best cover myself based on those those conditions that I have. 
Okay, so I warned you, it's government health care. So, yeah, you've got Part A, Part B, Part C, Part D, and then you've got plans, A, B, C, D, uh, the, the plethora of, of, again, the alphabet. Um, when you're turning 65, it really kind of doesn't matter unless you've got renal failure or Lou Gehrig's disease, and then there are some alternatives there. If, if you can, you know, stumble into the insurance company, metaphorically speaking, with no matter what you got, they'll accept you. You have a guaranteed enrollment at age 65. Or the, again, if you're working first time in, there, you know, again, there are modifications to this. But basically, yeah, you get guaranteed acceptance. You're an American citizen. This is a program designed for, for, for American citizens. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you come in. It didn't really kind of matter what your back, health background is. Um, you can't be denied. Now, if you have original Medicare and you've got a supplement and let's say you're age 68 and you're not happy with the supplement for whatever reason, you can apply to the maybe the same company or to a different company and chances are pretty good. They're going to do something called uh, underwrite you. They'll look at you medically. They'll ask you some medical questions. They'll ask, do you smoke? You know, what's going on? They'll, they'll pull a, ph a pharmacy uh, list on you and they'll look at you and they'll go, okay, yeah, we'll take you. And, and here's the rate, your premium. Or they might say, no, we're going to pass because you, you fail our underwriting criteria. Each company is a little bit different. Um, some people, if you're not happy with one plan, you'll go to another plan. That's a phone call to customer service. Other people, yeah, fill out the paperwork. We'll take a look at you. So that's one of the things that I tell my clients is, well, can we look to the future and see um, what may happen to you based on current conditions and current pricing? Because some people can't really afford the $100 a month, but can do the $44 a month. And chances are, if you're looking at the $44 a month or whatever that number is, it's not that it's less benefit, it's that you're responsible for more of the cost. Yeah, you accept more of the risk side. You accept more of the risk. Of it. That, now, that it's insurance. Having said that, uh, am I correct that if I have the $44 a month plan and I go to the doctor and the doctor is saying, you know, um, you got a little bit of a heart, uh, 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 uh arrhythmic, I, you may be, you may be a candidate for a bypass or a stent or whatever. You have the option. Am I correct that, that if I know that maybe six months or so down, down the way, I'm going to have that, that, uh, option, that operation, I can change the plan. And I can go from that $44 a month plan to maybe that $144 or $244 a month plan that will now provide more of the, the coverage side for me when I have that, that procedure. Am I correct? Yeah. No. Yes, to a degree. You're, you're, you're treading on thin ice possibly. Oh, okay. Because it kind of depends on where you are. Because one of the questions that insurance companies love to ask is, so have you been diagnosed with something and been told to go take care of it and you haven't done it yet? That's the kind of things that, that, yeah, because you know, you're, you're, you're playing with the house's money then. Okay. So uh, yeah. 
but, so but if, if, if you become, you know, the doctor says, I'm going to put you on uh, high, high blood pressure medication uh, and all, because uh, this is starting to develop. As you start to develop things like that or diabetes, that may be the time that you say, I want to upgrade my, my program a little so that I'm better covered. Okay. So you've asked a specific question and here comes the specific answer. No, that's not really an issue because what you're talking about, your examples are, are drug plan issues that's part that's part d oh, and, okay and there's a right. and there's a and there's a flat fee now for diabetics who are on insulin uh which is nice but yeah you're, you're kind of talking about that but ultimately you're saying hey i've got the i hate to say this the cheapy plan at 44 uh, can i flip-flop and go to the hundred dollar plan is it any more benefits no it's it's essentially the same benefits it's just what is your out-of-pocket cost and if you're if you have been properly counseled, if you've done your proper research, um, if you're going to take the the lower 44, we're saying $44, whatever it is, plan, then you, this is where you jump in with your eyes wide open and you go, okay, I am potentially exposed to this much more money that I need to be prepared to, to dole out. And of course, insurance companies have a plan for that. There are indemnity plans. You can buy an insurance plan to cover your insurance plan should you go to the hospital. So yeah, it's it's an interesting world. Well, and Andy, Andy Brooks, the 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 uh, email address is Andy at AndersonBbrooks.com. Uh, and uh, you can you can get in touch with Andy. It's right there on the screen. Uh, leave it there for a, a minute, Mark, because folks, I I guarantee that it could it could save your life and certainly save your financial life uh, because it all costs money. And if you got the money and you want to just go for the Cadillac, fine. But if you're dealing on a Ford budget and you want the Cadillac service, you need somebody like Andy to say, "Can I do it?" You know, within within my means, I'm on I'm on on Social Security. I'm on a uh, on a, a set income, so I can't have that top drawer plan. What can I do so that I'm well covered and and I can take care of myself? I can take care of my family uh, because you know we all when we were younger thought, oh, 65, man, that is so old. I don't want to I don't want to ever see 65. Then all of a sudden, when you get to age 63 and 64, you can't wait till you cross that finish line and get on Medicare because it it's it can help. Stuart, I should say, I, I mentioned earlier, Medicare.gov is a wonderful site for information. There's a publication that the government produces called uh, uh, Understanding Your Medigap Plan. Um, that's a publication that's available there at the website. And there's also a, a, a Medicare and you a book that's available through the government. And these are downloads as PDFs as well. So there's good information up there. Absolutely. And I would also say that if you do live in the DFW area and all, uh, you want to learn more about this in your 65 or over, enroll in the Collin College sale program and you can take not only Andy's class, but you can take so many other classes to learn about other things that, that affect you as a senior citizen. Now, for those that are following the show and you're not a senior citizen, we've talked mostly about Medicare on the show, but Andy can also help in the, in the areas of, of finances. 
you know, you got, you want to start with college planning, whatever. He's a financial professional and he can answer those, some of those questions and help you attain the target that you're aiming at. Uh, I, I think that's a fair way to say it. And again, the number, the, the email address is on the screen and, and it's valuable information at zero cost to talk about it. Uh, yeah, no, no cost, no obligation. It's, it's, it's yeah, well, I'll talk to anybody. Yeah, what could be? <laughs> you, you, Obviously, <laughs> I'm talking to you, Stuart. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yes, yes. So sometimes, sometimes you have to raise the bar a little bit. Right now, the bar is a little bit low. <laughs> but I, I, I so much. Uh, uh, enjoyed having you on the show and thank you very, very much for taking the time and sharing what you do so that other people can make their lives a little bit easier too. You know, Stuart, what a wonderful opportunity and I love chatting with you. It's a lot of fun and I love your show and, and, and you're doing a wonderful service as well, sir. So I thank you for that. Well, and and uh, folks, again, the numbers are on the screen. The email address is on the screen. Go to Medicare.gov. But if you've got other financial questions, call Andy. He'll either say to you, "I can help you with that," or "I can't help you with that." But maybe maybe you need to go in this direction. And that's always that's yeah, that's always the, the the upside is to talk to somebody that knows what they're they're doing. Ty Foley just just popped in and says, hey, I get that. <laughs> so again, Andy, thank you very, very much. I appreciate you, you being with me this morning. And we may have to do this again because every year the rules and regulations kind of change and you're right on top of it and you know what's happening. Love to do that. Love to do that, Stuart. Thank you. All right. And thank you again for what you do with the uh, the sale program. And also thanks everybody for watching another episode of Someone You Should Know. I thank Christine Dean for her sponsorship. Also Irving Chung uh, and with, for his sponsorship. We'll see you again right here again, same time next week. Go out and be yourself because everyone else is taken. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>